Good morning, Indelible Grace Church, uh, friends and family. Uh, Pastor Michael wanted me to introduce myself briefly for those who uh, don't know me. Uh, I have spent uh, 20-some years uh, working in ministry and then five years as a carpenter. I did the Jesus thing, except kind of backwards, um, and then... Uh, I did my hospital chaplain residency at John Muir Hospital and worked there for a few years. And now uh, I'm a, a chaplain and uh, an administrator of senior living community in Oakland. It is a privilege to be here uh, with you today. I want to say hi to the IGC family. I actually want to say hi to mom and dad uh, over in Gross Point Woods, Michigan, who uh, are 87 and 90 and who have already watched another stream of uh, Christ the King Lutheran Church. Shout out to Pastor Belter today. Uh, and now going to watch their, uh, their son here share uh, God's word. So uh, we are uh, weary uh, right now, and uh, this passage actually was picked out about five weeks ago uh, when I talked to Pastor Michael about sharing, and so um, we're going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 12 today, verses 1 through 3. We'll also be looking uh, throughout the book of Hebrews at a few other passages as well. Uh, open your Bibles uh, with me and take a look or follow along on the screen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You may be saying, too late. I am weary and faint-hearted right now. Uh, you may be experiencing a loss of physical energy. You don't want to get up in the morning. Your, your attention is scattered or you feel just numb. Uh, and you are looking for ways to feel better. Uh, something that is going to rejuvenate you and, and encourage you. And a lot of the stuff that we gravitate towards doesn't actually help that much. Um, you have likely in the past week or two been irritable, angry. If you have not snapped at somebody recently, you have not been awake. Uh, it is what all of us are going through. I am going to just share God's word with you today. I, I'm not going to rehearse the events that we're, that we're all walking through um, right now because you've been living them over and over and over again uh, as you watch the news, as you talk together. Um, I don't know about you, but when I hear about the problems, I feel very pulled apart. Today's passage is not the news. Today's passage is good news. And uh, we can use some good news today. And the book of Hebrews is amazing. It is just such an awesome book. Sit down. Uh, my wife and I read it together maybe six months ago. We sat down one sitting and just read through the book of Hebrews. 
deep waters. There is a lot in the book of Hebrews uh, to take in, uh, but just wonderful golden nuggets. And, and this is one of my favorite passages uh, in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to find uh, four things uh, today. There's, there's four points to the passage if you've got... Um, your bulletin uh, downloaded. Uh, the first is uh, that we are not alone. Secondly, we are in a race, and so we've got to get ready to run. We have to run with all that we have, and all that we have when it comes down to it, all that we have is Jesus. And we have to focus our attention on Christ. And Christ is so incredibly relevant today. So relevant. And God's word is so incredibly relevant. First of all, I want to remind you that you are not alone. You are not alone uh, today. The passage tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And we know about crowds uh, right now. There is a lot of noise. There is a lot that stirs us up. There's a lot that stirs me up. There's a lot that says... In the voices that are around us, be angry, be afraid, be despondent, be sad. And my emotions are going all over the place. And we know that the righteous shall live by feelings, right? No, the righteous shall live by faith. And this passage is going to talk about faith today. Since we are surrounded By so great a cloud of witnesses, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, um, any any Bible person will tell you that when you see the word therefore, you have to ask the question, what is therefore, therefore? And and it's what has come before it. And what what comes before uh, Hebrews chapter 12 is Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, the great faith chapter in the scripture. The great cloud of witnesses primarily that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is all of the faithful people that have gone before us. If you have, uh, if you have your Bible in front of you, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, there's a description of what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, convic- the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the hope that we have Uh, that is based on the foundation of God's faithfulness in the past, that God has been faithful and God will continue to be faithful. And then in that trust, many people uh, did incredible things just believing that God would do what he said he would do. There's there's an awesome list, uh, the Hall of Faith uh, or the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. People like Abel, Enoch, uh, Noah, Abraham, uh, Sarah, men and women. Uh, Rahab the prostitute is listed in there. Hebrews 11:13. All these died in faith, not receiving the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14, people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, that they are thinking of a land which they have gone out. They would have had an opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. We long for a better country. We long for all of the things that, that we see around us to be resolved, that there, would be, that there would be justice established, that there would be love established, uh, that there would be sacrificial caring for one another established. And all of these things are going to take place. Now, some of these people did get what God had promised them. God promised Noah that he would get him and his family through the flood, and he did get that. But all of them, all of them were still looking forward to the final day when things would all be sorted out and a Savior would come. And they didn't receive that promise, but they looked ahead to that promise that it was coming, a Savior that we we have experienced. All of these people walked by faith with God, and they are witnesses to us. They are a part of the great crowd of witnesses that say to us, I trusted God in the most difficult times of my life. I trusted God, and he was faithful to me. And I witness to you that God can be faithful to you. And I don't know if that's a a job right now. I don't know if that's peace in your home right now. I don't know if it's your finances that you're extremely worried about right now. But God is faithful. God is faithful and he will take care of us. And and these these are witnesses that are that are encouraging to us. You know, we're a part of that with each other as well. Uh, we are a part of the great cloud of witnesses. Uh, those people around us who are faithful followers of Christ that encourage us to follow Christ, that are examples, none of us perfect, but are examples to us that give us the courage to go on. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 tells us to hold fast, hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, for some of you younger people, there was a time when we used to all gather together in one place and we would worship together in one place. And, and I hear rumor that at some point uh, that will happen again, but we have to find other ways to stir one another to love and good deeds right now. You can do that in your home. You are a part of the great cloud of witnesses for your spouse or for your kids or for your friends or for your parents. You're a part of that that great cloud of witnesses that says, in the midst of all of this chaos, God is faithful. God can do this. I'm at a loss, but God can do this. Know that you're not alone. Know that you're not alone and be encouraged by that. Now, the writer of Hebrews uh, is talking about this Christian life, and Paul talked about it this way too, as a race, Um, as not a sprint, not even a middle distance race, but this is a marathon. Uh, We didn't realize that we were signing up for this necessarily uh, when we first came to Christ, but we, we find out pretty early on that 
instantly not everything is fixed. Uh, God is working on us very slowly. We are stumbling along. We are we are learning, and the writer of Hebrews tells us uh, that we need to get ready to run this race. And part of that is getting rid of the stuff that would slow us down. Uh, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to us. Get ready to run. Marathoners do not put on a uh, football helmet and their suit pants and their wading boots. No, they get stripped down and they get ready to run the race. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us there are going to be things that are going to slow you down. There are things that will make you want to lose heart, things that you have added into your life that detract from your relationship with God. They actually, you think that they're going to be helpful because we try and make ourselves feel better in a lot of ways. they, They seem like maybe they're going to be a good thing, but they end up being a weight that slows us down. Having laid aside the weight or the impediment Um, it's not even a sinful thing, necessarily. Uh, This is the only time it's used in the the New Testament, but it could be sports. Back in the day, you used to go be able to see sporting events. Um, It could be your house. It could be your car. It could be your hobbies. It could be entertainment. Uh, It could be an imbalance at work. It could be debt. It is a weight to you that just takes all of your attention and it stops you from focusing on Christ and you lose heart and you get discouraged. The Apostle Paul said, I just pray for you that your minds would not be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Don't let anything lead you astray from that. You know, as I'm saying that, I've got 63 things that I'm thinking about in my own life that that I need to work on. We'll leave it at that. Would you be consciously willing to sort of lay aside these things right now? What we're finding is that things are being taken from us left and right, and at some point we're going to have to decide what is it that we're going to put back into our lives. This is really a good time to have kind of a garage sale of the weights that have come into our life that are really distracting us. Just see what we're going to put back in. So we're we're to lay aside the weights, and then we're supposed to lay aside the sin which easily distracts us. Those easily distracting sins, the sins that entangle us, the chains around our our ankles. And I, I don't have to give you a list because when I say the sin that entangles you, something comes to mind. Something comes to mind. And I, I, I think you probably know what those things are that trip you up, the things that are like daily, weekly things that, that find their way in your life. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, but the writer of Hebrews is telling us we're also surrounded like, it's like we're in a big field of those, those sins that distract us. Um, The writer of Hebrews is telling us to make a decision. And if, you, if there's like 30 of those things that you're thinking about, picking one is really good. That's a good start. Uh, 
something that God just highlights in your mind and to make a decision. That's what it's talking about, to set those things aside, to make a decision. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It is really hard to hear God to listen to Christ with the clutter of these things that steal uh, our relationship with God. Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God being created. Now, this is not a sermon about you really need to be better. Just stop doing all those things that are that are messing up your relationship with Christ, and th- then you're not going to be weary and lose heart. No, this is... This is a message that is totally focused on our relationship with Christ. That's the most important thing. Because actually, as we're pursuing our relationship with Christ, if we're digging into God's Word, if we're talking to God, if we're being honest to God about who we are, those things that had all of our attention, those those distracting things, they start to fall away and they start to lose their, their power with us as we are pursuing Christ. And, and that's, what, that's what our focus is today. So our third point is to run, run with all you have, with all of your being. Be fully committed to this race that, that God has set before you. Let us run with endurance the race, and the word for race is agony there, the race that is set before us. So I am a runner. Uh, New Balance Shoe Company has asked me to stop saying that or wear someone else's shoes. I am, uh, I am not fast. Um, you, you know those people when you're out, you, you see them when you're walking, uh, and they're running and they're just like, I mean, it is fluid, it is beautiful. They're like poetry in motion as they go. That is not me. I am, I am poultry in motion when I'm running. I look, I look like a thirsty man looking for loose change. That, that, is, that is my running, all right? Um, now, I, I have a love hate relationship with running. I love the idea of running. I love when I finish running. I I ran last night. You could have seen me with my 2006 Detroit Tigers playoff sweatshirt with the paint on the right arm last night out running. And I love it when I'm done. I hate the hills. I hate the heat. I hate the tin man legs that I seem to have for the first three quarters of my run. I hate those things. And I have run in races before, maybe some of you as well. I've run it, you know, where you pay like $35 for a t-shirt and they, they give you one of those uh, numbers, you know, to pin on the front of your shirt. They, they do that to me in case I get lost. I'll remember what I was doing. Uh, 
That is kind of like what my Christian life is like, though, all right? Can I just be honest with you? I have to run with endurance. It takes everything that I have at times. Now, what, what I have noticed, because we're supposed to run with endurance, uh, what I have noticed is that when I am running and somebody is coming towards me, I will somehow pull it together. I will stand up a little straighter. I will get a little more rhythmic. I will breathe a little more consciously until I'm past them. And I, I nod at them. How's it going? You know, and they nod back. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't call anyone. I'm all right. And then as they go past, I go back to my... Regular looking for loose change. I think we're kind of like that on Sundays. I, I, think, I think on Sundays, when we used to meet together, on Sundays I think we kind of pull it together. I think we get a little straighter, walk in, we're done yelling at the kids, you know, in the car. <laughs> now we're now we're there. We are. We're 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 in church there, and we're we're pulling it together. We do that when we get together with other people as well. Most people. I hope you have somebody that you can run just normal with. You know. I I I hope if you're married, I hope you and your spouse can run together normal. And not make fun of how the other one is running or how they're doing, but root for them. So important. So I am, I am thankful to have someone who roots for me, who believes the best. That is so critical. We're supposed to run with endurance this race that is set before us. Romans eight twenty three through 25 talks about us uh, inwardly groaning, and that's the, this endurance thing that we have to go through in our relationship with Christ. Um, and we wait for what is ahead with patience. That's that same word of endurance there. That's how we need to run. Run with endurance, fully committed. And how do we do that? We run with all we have because all we have is Christ. Now look at verses uh, 2 and 3 with me. All you have is Christ. Don't take your eyes off him. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It's, it's really better than looking to Jesus, is fixing your eyes on Jesus. The, the word means to turn away from what you're looking at and to give your full attention uh, somewhere. We're supposed to focus our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews is just full of Jesus. The book of Hebrews is telling us Jesus is better than all the other things that have come before. Um, beginning of the book of Hebrews. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, 
through whom he also created the world. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus that we're focused on. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the power of his word. And after making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the Jesus that we're supposed to focus on. This is not the Jesus that has been dead 2,000 years. This is the Jesus that is seated at the right hand of God at this very moment. We're to give him our full intention. Uh, look, look back at uh, those couple of verses, uh, 2 and 3. Um, it says, Who for the joy... Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? Now, there's a, there's a couple of ways that that, that could be looked at. Um, the, word, the word for for there is actually anti, and, and it's used uh, elsewhere as instead of um, in most places. So lexicons kind of go both ways with this. But what, what it can be saying, there's really two options here is, who for looking ahead to the joy that was set before him, the joy of being in the presence of Christ, the joy of accomplishing our salvation, the joy of spending eternity with you and I, the joy of reconciling all all of creation, who for the joy endured the cross. Or it could be saying, who instead of the joy endured the cross and that 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 almost fits better with with what has been said before because um the set before him joy is the same word that is the set before us race uh the verse before there so so we have this race that is set before us that we are going to give ourselves to even though we are not experiencing the final joy of our salvation, for all this stuff to go away. We are running. We are just running. So can be taken uh, can be taken either, either way there, whatever seems to fit. Running in the race uh, that is set before us, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He is the founder and he is the perfecter of our faith. Salvation is God's idea. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you. He picked you to know him. He chose you to be complete in Christ. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it while you're running. He is at work in us at this very moment. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and uh, better rendered, disregarding the shame. Jesus didn't focus on the shame, but know this, those of you who have experienced shame in your life, maybe by others, or the shame that you feel yourself, know that we don't have a Savior that cannot relate to us. He understood what it is to feel that, 
But he wasn't focused on that. He wasn't, he wasn't going to try and defend himself in the midst of that. He disregarded the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Who is this Savior? Who is this Jesus, this author and perfecter of our faith? Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that he's the great high priest, the one whom we hold our confession in. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one in every respect who has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. That's who this Savior is. Who is this Savior? Hebrews chapter 7. He is able to save us to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him because he lives to make intercession for them. Who is this Jesus? This Jesus is praying for you at this very moment. Who is this Jesus? Think back over your life when you have uttered that name. Uh, Ellen and I were talking the other day about the, the song, um, a Beautiful Name. What a beautiful name of Jesus. Think about the times when you have lost somebody that was so dear to you and you could just say, Jesus. Or you've done something so crummy. You've hurt somebody deeply. And you can just say, Jesus. Or you're so frustrated with life that you just, even in anger, Jesus. At this moment, Jesus makes intercession for us. He understands exactly what we are walking through right now. He knows our society. This is, this is not a, a strange thing to him. The Savior who died for us, who paid for all of our sins, even the really crummy ones, paid for all of our sins. That's who this Jesus is. Now, I love Jesus. I do. And I love God's Word. And I'm going to be just honest with you. Um, this is not a. Uh, this is a church that teaches the Word of God and focuses on the Word of God. But but the society that we live in is really struggling right now, and there are people that are sort of aligning with Christians as well. And I, I've felt at times offended by that personally. This is just me talking here. Um, seeing a cross prominently displayed while the words are saying something else. Seeing a Bible held up like a prop. And for me, 
I felt offended. Because I wanted to say, as many people have wanted to say over the past couple of months, that's not me. That's not me that you're talking about. The police officers that would stand up and say, wait, that's not me. That's not how I do things. The people who are standing up and saying, hey, wait a minute, this is not right in our society. And yet there are other people that are out there doing destructive things. And they just want to say, this is not me. It's not me. Jesus, who went to the cross, an innocent man, on my behalf, because of the stuff that I have done, did not deserve that. It wasn't him. It was me. And so when when I saw this book held up recently, I was like indignant. I'm like, come on. And even when I went back to work, I went to work and a lot of people, most people don't, don't know Christ personally. And people are talking about, people are like, wow, that just didn't seem right. That just seemed, one, one lady in her mid-70s said, I thought he was going to burst into flames. And I felt offended. And then a day or so later, thinking about it, and I'm thinking about how people are talking about the scriptures, which is actually kind of cool. And um, Paul's words came to mind that some people preach Christ out of selfish ambition, but I'm glad that Christ is being raised up. Somehow God turns something into good. I'm like, wait a minute, Mis- misusing the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, it, it finds out our intentions, the deepest purposes of our heart. And God brought my mind to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I felt like Peter pulling out his sword, and I wanted to lop off a few ears. And I heard my Jesus saying to me, put your sword away. I am fully capable of defending myself. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I have come not to injure. I have come to heal. And I want you to be a part of that. But to do that, you have to listen to me. I have to have your full attention. That's what Jesus is telling me. For me to run this race, for me to walk with Christ, I mean, there's junk I got to get rid of in my life. But I got to be focused on Christ and hearing his word, because John tells us very clearly that without Jesus, I can do nothing. Nothing. Now, my friends, we are not alone in this race. You got, you know, Elijah felt like he was alone. He's just like, I just want to die. This is so overwhelming. And uh, 
And God spoke to him in a still, small voice, and he says, you know, I got all these people that have not bowed the knee, people who are followers of mine, and you know what? There are a ton of them that are out there, and we need to be those people. We, we need to be who we're supposed to be in this situation, and I can't figure this out, so it's going to have to come through God giving me wisdom on how to do this, on what words to say and when to shut up. We look at the world and say, what is God doing? What is God doing? God is using this time in your life and in your family. Has there ever been a time when God had our attention as much as he does right now? That's a good thing. We are broken as a society and as people, and that's actually a good thing. We are tired, we are at the end of ourselves, and that's a good thing because we got nowhere else to go right now. This race that we're in is going to take discipline, it's going to take effort, and it's going to take focusing on Christ and I need you and you need me and we need to just build one another up in this so that we can be who we need to be during this time. And there's no shortcuts to it either. We just want it to be over. Just want it to be over. That's all. Be glad when it's over. Well, or we can like endure and learn what we're supposed to learn because it seems like these things are coming one after another. Christ, who for the joy before him endured the cross for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, that you can, uh, you can take the very difficult things in our lives, in our, our country, personally and um, in our families, and you can turn those into something awesome. I thank you that you don't take shortcuts, that, that when you do surgery in us, it is, it is like complete, and we really need that. God, we don't want to skip past what you're trying to teach us at this time, but we need the empowering of your Holy Spirit. We need um, your wisdom to know how to walk with you during this time. God, we want to be the people you want us to be. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Christina.